It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with certified financial planners Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Hello, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the CFPs on the show. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and friends, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Guys, it's no secret that Social Security has a sustainability problem. That's a lot of S's in that sentence <laughs> there. But that's a problem that has to be solved in the next 15 to 17 years, depending on what reports you look at. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But uh, this coronavirus recession is adding even more fuel to that fire. And uh, so on today's uh, discussion, we're going to be talking about some of politicians' uh, mm -hmm. potential solutions that are beginning to surface and what you need to do with your own decision-making as it relates to Social Security. It, choosing what to do with Social Security is one of the biggest financial decisions of your life. Uh, will you even have that option? Will you even have a decision to make here, depending on your age? We're going to talk about it. If you have questions for the show, we'd love to hear from you. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com. Submit a question right there on the right. You can call or text your question to us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And then all over social media, very easy to submit questions that way as well. Wherever you're at, just search The Wise Money Show. Follow us there, excuse me, and submit your question right there as well. All right. So Social Security. Um, it is one of the biggest financial decisions you'll make in your life. And if you go through, we're not going to do this right now, but if you go through the types of investments or the types of financial resources available um, and you look at, well, does it keep up with inflation? Does it last your entire life? Um, is it guaranteed? Social Security, I'm not talking about where it comes from. I'm just talking about you receiving the benefit. It checks all of the boxes you want it to check. It's guaranteed, right? So I mean, we're going to talk about it, but nothing really could happen to it. It does. It's supposed to keep up with inflation. And even if you live to age 120, you're going to keep getting it. So it checks all the boxes. This is really, really important. The problem is we are driving really, really fast into a cul-de-sac with Social Security, as Kevin likes to say. And um, it's on the brink of insolvency. So let's first talk about the problem before we talk about the solution. So what... Josh, maybe, do you have some of the, what is insolvency? What does that even mean? What are the dates? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a scary word, isn't it? When you start hearing social security is a broken system and it, the whole thing is going to go bankrupt at some point. What that means ultimately, uh, let me give you some reassurance. The dates that, that I read, I hear the year 2035 thrown around. If you go to the Social Security Administration's own website, they say the year 2037 based on their projections. And on, you know, in that year, we reach a point where um, th the money that's theoretically built up in this Social Security trust fund, you know, all the surplus that was built up over the years, which has really actually been lent out, uh, you know, by buying government bonds and everything, that money gets depleted. And so at that time, it doesn't mean that Social Security has no more resources and all payments stop. It means that the only thing funding Social Security benefits, theoretically at that point, 
is just the tax revenue they're receiving from current workers at that point. And uh, so when we say insolvent, um, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that you're no longer going to receive any kind of payments. In fact, the, the forecasts would say that 79% of the promised benefits at that point can still be covered by those who are expected to be working. This is all just forecasts based on, you know, how many, how many uh, people in the population do we think there will be? What would they be earning? And therefore, what would they be taxed and paying in to fund those retirees' benefits at that point? So here's the interesting thing. I, at the, there was an article, some economists released uh, an article just a couple weeks ago. So here's the thing. Um, what you pay in, these taxes that Josh ta- is talking about, is known as a four-letter F word <laughs> called FICA. And, and um, the largest portion of FICA, which the employee pays 7.65%, and the, the company, your employer, matches that. If you're self-employed, you combine those two. But the largest portion, 6.2% of that... Um, of that 7.65 is actually the social security portion. And you pay that on the first hundred and I don't actually don't have it in front of me, 150, 145,000 that you make. Um, but do you pay FICA tax on unemployment? No, you do not. No. Do you pay FICA tax on your pension because you retired early and you started drawing your pension? No, you do not. And so the Social Security and Medicare trustees apparently released a report in April saying, yeah, it's, it's closer to that 2035 number instead of 2037 number. But then some economists then just pro- projected the recent change in employment because of the coronavirus and this recession, how long people will likely be unemployed and the drop in wages and all of that cut to FICA and they are now saying it could be depleted in 2031, these economists. Now, right before we started airing, Josh said, yeah, they're probably wrong. And they probably are. Most projections are. But it is alarming that we could actually be 10 years away from this. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, when, when you have millions of people who are not receiving a paycheck, when they're not getting paid, the government's not uh, getting paid those tax revenues, which are again what fund the the money to retirees so it's a it's a real concern hopefully it's more temporary than what maybe some of the economists have forecasted but clearly it's having an impact so but if you if you just look at a couple things here perfect storm the with this coronavirus um the the studies or let's just say the experts say that the older population is more at risk so therefore people might that are close to retirement might say, yeah, I actually want to retire a little earlier. And the odds are they're going to draw their Social Security earlier. So more people might start tapping that well, okay? And then if you've got young people who typically are working in service industries, hospitality industries, they're in college or just um, getting, uh, getting out of college, that's a starting job. They're in retail, and retail is clamped down and there are fewer jobs, you've got fewer people paying into that well. So you've got this perfect storm, potentially. And we, we said last week, I have no idea where this coronavirus thing goes from here, but uh, it's a potentially perfect storm that wallops Social Security. And if I can add one other perfect storm on top of it, could be a payroll tax holiday. 
could be. Which sounds crazy when you're having the conversation in, in this context, right? Yeah. When we're talking about Social Security's known problem, and this problem has been known since at least 1983, most of our lifetime, right. right? They've known that this is a problem that's coming, and we've burned through, you know, 30, uh, pushing 40 years here, and it's still not completely solved. Um, it's interesting to me that the forecast is the year 2035 or maybe sooner. That happens to be the 100-year anniversary of Social Security. Oh, that's interesting. So, but th there are some solutions. I mean, the, the ideas are out there. What we have lacked up to this point is the political will to actually take all the action necessary to solve the problem. Okay, so if we're going to dominate the airways, uh, Kevin, uh, just... Uh, keep researching. I, we're we're going to need you on the, hey, what are the ideas? But I'll tell you, that's another reason for pessimism. Um, how, how, how would you rate the effectiveness right now of Congress? Like their ability to get anything meaningful done? On a scale of one to 10? Yeah. Zero. Zero. Or <laughs> night. Like, so to, if there's, if we're lacking political will and we've got some, some um, civil unrest and we've got a recession we've got to deal with, I mean, do is there even a shot that they talk about this? Well, there is one senator who's trying to make a name for himself. I think that's what Josh said. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't heard of him. Um, uh, out of uh, what is this? Out of Maryland, and uh, he actually has a proposal here. I'm, I'm not saying I like it, but he's got a proposal. We're going to share that as well as our opinions on hey, what could be done to help Social Security. So we've got that and a lot more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How to solve Social Security insolvency. Solve the insolvency. That's what we're talking about today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Check it out. Go to YouTube search Wise Money Show, follow us there. So subscribe to it and turn on notifications and smash that thumbs up button. Leave questions there as well, because, you know, we're all going to have to make a social security decision, or at least we hope so. And uh, you're going to want to have a financial coach with you when you're making that decision. All right. So we said there's a problem. There's insolvency coming. We are on a path. We're, we're not slowing down at all. We're driving fast. We know we're in a cul-de-sac though. So something's going to have to change. What could change? Believe it or not, we left off with, well, there's not much political will to make a change because um, I, I, I imagine it's really not easy to try to get votes and get popular by talking about how you're going to fix Social Security because there's not fun solutions. We're way past fun solutions. However, there was some folks, couple, one senator and, and a, someone who supported it, um, Senator Van Hollen out of uh, Maryland introduced the strength in Social Security by taxing Dynastic Wealth Act. I cannot believe that. Okay, that's a real thing. That's the name, huh? And he basically proposed a plan to help shore up Social Security by doing two things. Number one, 
increasing the amount of wages that you have to pay Social Security tax on. I looked up that number. Right now, it's $137,000 of wages. Up to $137,000, you're paying the Social Security portion of FICA on that, and so is your employer. But once you earn in wages beyond $137,700, then you're, you're just paying Medicare, which, by the way, is totally broken as well that's right but we can't talk about that because there's medicare for all being discussed so anyway we'll focus on social security Mm -hmm. he is proposing this bill that i can't even pronounce and say would propose you're paying social security portion of fica on the first four hundred thousand, which would be a significant increase so basically folks that are higher wage earners pay more you fix the system and the second part of his two-part plan is bring back the estate, bring bring back down the estate um, tax exclusion, basically taxing wealthy estates and having that tax go into the Social Security system. So, so here's the problem. The problem is the premise that we, you begin with is we've got an income problem. Yeah, it's a ta- we've got to solve this with taxes. Right. And I, I wholeheartedly believe it's not an income problem. It's the the problem is we're coming up on the hundred year anniversary of Social Security. The problem is there hasn't been a meaningful change. I don't know if you've ever started something in your financial life and just done it for a long time and not changed it. Most of the things that you're doing financially need need a refresh, mm-hmm. need to be adjusted, need to be changed. And for sure, for sure, for sure, Social Security is one of those, yeah. in my opinion. The last time there was a significant change was 1983. And that's when uh, some, some sweeping changes actually happened, and it caused the, uh, the, the this trust fund to begin to build up over time. But it, it is rapidly being depleted, and that pool of money that was built up will eventually be gone. And so there has to be more more solutions than what they came up with back then. Well, so forgive my pessimism or my uh, my my just my identity politics, but I mean that that so they're just fixated on tax. And the reason why I would agree with you, Kevin, that I I don't think that is the area that you that you focus on is um, is just through history. I mean, we ha- how many examples do we have? Countless examples of, well, we increase taxes, oh, but the money goes towards something else. So then we've got to increase taxes again, the money goes towards something else. And increased taxes, the problems don't get fixed. And so I would agree. I mean, life's very different. And we can talk about the life expectancy back 100 years ago versus today and, um, and how that could have changed some things. But I have expected that a increasing tax will be part of the solution. I'm not in favor of it. I just expect here's that here's the problem be part with it, it though. At the at the core of this issue is a demographics problem. It used to be that you'd have dozens of people who were in the working world paying into this system for every one person who was receiving from it. Right now that ratio is 3 workers to 1. And guys, it's and on its way to 2 to 1. On its way to 2 to 1. Now I my proposal is when it gets to 2 to 1 do you know, have you ever known someone who was adopted that wanted to find their parents? 
I think the two the two people that are paying in for the one, they should be connected with the one that they're supporting. Pen pals? And, yeah, and pen pals. They can send and, pictures of each other. Send pictures, do an exchange, maybe even get together. You know, the uh, the Compassion International. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I want a picture of that person on my refrigerator, oh, right? Here's funny. Mabel. She's uh, 97 years old in Nebraska, and I'm one of the two people supporting her. Here's the problem, though. I mean, we've got. It, we we do have oh this is this is gonna this is this is gonna really hurt your feelings I mean one of the reasons why you're just we're always optimistic about the stock market is population growth I mean more more feet on the earth will mean more businesses to meet the needs of those feet um, but we have in developed countries we have slowing population Europe is really dealing with that if you're if you're wondering why the European stock market maybe has been a uh, tough place to be, you could cite possibly population growth. And the U.S. is now having that as well. We're starting to see the beginning signs of slowing population growth, which is going to be very problematic for Social Security. So, so here, here's the issue. Extrapolate that out. If there's not enough people paying into the system compared to what it once was, it, it's it's you don't have a big enough base supporting the weight of that need for social security to come out with this this senator's proposal that uh, anyone who's earning over one hundred and thirty seven thousand we're going to start taxing them more. That's not that many people, mm, right? Yeah, it's a small number of people. Just like those who have huge estates that we're going to go raid their cookie jar when they pass away. We're going to tax them, and then we're going to throw it all into the, the Social Security Administration's pockets. Uh, there's not enough people to solve the problem that way. Mm. Yeah. You know, Josh, you were talking about there hasn't been a meaningful change since uh, 1983, which is kind of true, not true. Because it, at, it, and at that time, it was 5.4 for the employee and 5.4% for the employer, what they paid in. Now, that was raised to 6.2% for just the uh, old age survivor disability portion and then 1.45 for Medicare. But the year that I started, they, um, the, the limit, the 6.2, was on 60,000. As Mike said today, it's on thirty-seven thousand. One thirty-seven. One thirty-seven. Right. That's that's that that's a Double. that's a fifteen thousand dollar tax increase per year. Yeah. If I make that, and then from ninety-three to ninety-four, in ninety-three the one point four five was on the first one thirty-five, and then in ninety-four, the year that I started working. They uncapped that. Well, and w mm -hmm. what does this mean, though? You know, so we are going to talk about some solutions here. So, uh, but what does this mean? You guys know it because we do tax planning here. We love financial planning. This entire show is about financial planning. But how many small business owners start a sole proprietorship and they feel like they're penalized because they're a small business? They finally get rid of their paycheck where they're just paying FICA and they switch over to freelance or sole proprietor and they feel like they are just paying out the nose, not because of federal taxes, because of self-employment taxes. We're going to talk about a few other possible ways they can improve Social Security. So that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 
insolvency cliff here with Social Security coming up in 10 to 15 years. Should that impact what you do with Social Security? Should you draw it early? Should you even plan on it? We're talking about that right now, helping you apply the uncertainty of Social Security to your financial life. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin and Josh. Every episode of the Wise Money Show, you miss any, they're all on podcasts. You'll find them right there. Search Spotify and iTunes and wherever else. And just do me a favor. If you are into podcasting, you go find us there. Search the Wise Money Show. Rate the show. We appreciate that. Leave comments as well. Thank you. All right. Um, we're talking about Social Security insolvency. There's a, a, a politician proposal, not getting a lot of traction, but hey, let's try to solve it by increasing taxes. That's not the only option. There's some other ways that it can be, um, I, want, I don't want to say solved, temporarily patched. And I think the logical one is to stretch the age out again. For sure. I mean, so yeah. it's it went from 65 gradually to 67. and But, I mean, move it to 70, to 72. And, you know, don't, don't send me hate mail for that. But, I mean. Well, it's not, this, again, this is not a political issue problem it's a math problem yeah and um certainly um the the two sides of the same coin uh the, our political parties have not been willing to take this on um, there was some i would say little political will in 2006 by the george bush administration to say hey Let's make a push to privatize this thing, and yeah. they were absolutely savaged. Yeah. So I mean, it. It's. I mean, it's, that's on my list too. I just think. Yeah. I mean, it's it's long been considered the third rail of politics. Like you, you touch that rail and die. Right. That, especially in cancel culture. This is in 2006. We weren't dealing with the right. cancel culture. Right. Here we are now. So I don't think that gets any traction to invest in privatize it. But the reason why you're right, Mike, in because to me, as I see it, not just you know, as of today, I can start drawing at 62, and my be if I don't draw to at 62, my benefit grows until I hit 70. It doesn't grow beyond age 70. And I look at that, and I personally believe if you look at demographics, Josh was talking about demographics a little bit, but if you look at the life expectancy when they started Social Security versus what it is today, I th personally think and they, again, they've got to phase this in because of these these social um, programs. Pulling the rug out from underneath people that have planned their whole life is not real great. <laughs> um, I can tell you this: uh, it, the the math problem or the economics problem will pull the rug out from underneath people. I saw that in two thousand nine with folks that had a pension and the pension's guaranteed, yeah. right? And they get the letter in May saying, hey, uh, we decided not to shut down the pension fund, but we will give you your new pension amount in September. And they had a th their pension amount, payout amount for the rest of their life was reduced by a third. Right, I mean, so they could, they could come in and just, and, and send you that notice. Mm -hmm. I think more likely than that, so I do think extending the age, pushing it out, and whether it's 62 to 72 or you just bump it back to 65 to 75 or something. Um, but I think instead of just slashing everyone's benefits, they'll do the more popular way of slashing your benefit, and that is to tax more of your Social Security. 
right? They Because right now you pay Social Security, uh, you pay tax on your Social Security, but only up to a portion and there's certain parameters. They could change those parameters. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, that's that's a much easier and safer way to get votes to reduce your Social Security. Is just, they just make it all taxable. It's that taxable income now. Yeah, that's right. The, right now, taxation of Social Security is not the same for every single individual. The the most, the, the greatest portion of your Social Security that's going to be counted on your tax return is up to 85% of those dollars you received. And many people, it's zero. But what if it was just all of it is countable on your tax return, no matter who you are. That may not be real popular with certain worldviews, right? Because uh, those who are, are on the lowest income are going to feel that more than others. They're not. I mean, that's the crazy I mean, that's thing. what the argument well, would sure. be. Well, sure. Oh, for sure. But I mean, real, the, in reality, if you look at folks where Social Security is either most or all of their income in retirement, they're impoverished. And they're not going to... If, if you said, hey, you got to pay taxes on 100% of your benefit, their standard deduction is going to wipe that out anyways, and they still won't be paying any taxes. So what else could they do? They could, uh, they could, they could guarantee payments until 90, right? They could, they could go to the other end of the spectrum and say, hey, we'll still give you, you can still draw it at 62, but it's only going to last. I had someone the other day say, hey, I, from my company, I get a 20-year pension. Okay, well, when does it start? Well, it starts five years after I... It starts on my five-year anniversary. It's like, well, this is interesting. So after you're, you're still working, been there five years, and then you start getting a little payment, and it only lasts for 20 years. So that's very bizarre, but it only helps yeah. the first part of retirement. So, I mean, you could do Social Security and say it's a 20-year pay instead of its lifetime. You could you could change one of the very, very powerful things in finance is inflation and cost of living adjustments, those those two, basically the the small rise in cost. And Social Security still has a small inflation protection. Most pensions, I haven't seen a pension anytime soon that has that feature. When I got in the business, a lot of them did. Now they're all gone. Social Security could cut that as well. Say, hey, here's your benefit. It'll never, you'll never get that raise. So I, there are options, none of them are fun. But neither is continuing to have our foot on the gas of this car when we know we're headed to a dead end. So it doesn't help people plan. So let's spend a few minutes talking about how do you plan. The first way that I'd plan is not what Josh and Kevin are thinking. And to me, you have got to look at the benefits of the Roth IRA. I think part of the solution is going to be creative new taxes. I do. Whether whether it's this proposal of paying more on your income, your estate, I mean that yeah. But but increasing tax on Social Security or I think there's gonna be some creative new taxes and the Roth is your is your um get out of jail free card. It's the I've already paid the tax, this is not taxable and therefore it's not gonna create any counter taxes. So yeah, you would say that if you believe taxes are going to be more painful in the future than they are today, creating for yourself in advance a source of income that's tax-free becomes even more important to you. Same as the HSA. Now, those are all a stroke of a pen that could change. They could say, well, yes, your Roth is still tax-free when you draw it out, but it does count against you for Social Security taxes. I mean, they could do all sorts of things. But I look at the Roth and the HSA as two very, very powerful tools. The other thing I would tell you, if you're 
If you haven't yet built a retirement projection because you're still in your 30s and you need to create one, I don't you, you might create it where you're projecting 75% of your social security. I, I, I mean, that you, you might start painting that picture where you need to be saving more aggressively. Yeah, the, that's that's a little tricky. I, I'm, you know, I started in 1994, and it feels like this boogeyman has been under the bed. Yeah, I, I mean, this is kind of the evergreen boogeyman that we're all terribly afraid of. And I'm saying, as long as the government printing press doesn't fail us, we'll be in good shape. I I would also just tell you though. If you're getting close to retirement or might retire because of the coronavirus, whatever, call your certified financial planner. You've got to contact them and figure out what to do with Social Security. I don't think these concerns, this boogeyman is the reason you should draw it early before they take it away. But you've got to make this decision in the context of your financial plan. You do. So contact your certified financial planner. If you don't have one, you can call our team. We, we would be happy to consult with you on this and serve you in this way. So, But reach out and get some help in how this fits in your overall financial plan and retirement plan so you make the best decision for you. All right, a couple, uh, couple great questions from fans of the show. We've got that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Got a great question from fan of the show, Karen, about when to draw Social Security, which has kind of been our headlining topic today, trying to solve the insolvency of Social Security. So we got that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. You'll find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show. Follow us there. That's a great place to submit questions as well. Speaking of, and this is a great segue, if there's anything additional we need to talk about with Social Security, but Karen's age 60. She says, um, my husband is 69 and our business has been impacted by the coronavirus. He'll get $3,500 a month if he waits until 70. Uh, but if he draws now, it's closer to $3,200 a month. Should he draw now or wait? Ooh. I mean, that is sort of the question. Is it? And I mean, so let, let's just level the playing field. Your Social Security... Uh, Every month you delay, it goes up a little bit, okay, um, all the way until you reach age 70. And then trying to delay past 70 no longer gets you any, uh, any bonus there. So that, that's it. But so, it. So every month you delay, it, you get a, a pay increase. Every month you keep working, you're also paying more in as well. Correct. So this, this is a big question, and a lot of people are facing it. You know, hey, w- what's the benefit of going maybe just one more year in my working career? Does it, does it really have that big of an impact? And I had a similar question come up just yesterday with, with a client who's contemplating retirement. And it doesn't matter what age, anywhere from age 62 to 70, that delaying one more year does have a positive impact, especially if you're still working during, during that year. I, I'm interested... Um, by the the age gap here too, 
Um, so, so let's point that out as a potential decision-making issue as well with survivor benefits and everything. Because uh, Karen, you, you said Karen's 60, uh, her husband's 69. So most likely she's going to outlive him, right? Uh, we, we don't know their health history or anything like that, but um, that, that's the statistics anyway. Sure. And so I, I'd be curious to know if we were having a conversation with Karen um, did she pay into Social Security significantly, or is she going to be drawing off of his? Is she more likely to receive his benefit uh, someday if he passes away? These, these are all variables that go into this. Yeah, and it seems like w- with an age difference like that, typically what people do if there's a big age difference, the, the big idea is to get one of the Social Security benefits to be as big as it can possibly be. And so... I and um, I've had a number of clients who have said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna hold off until 70," and now their businesses have been impacted by the coronavirus, and they've said, "Hey, I don't know if I want to hold off." Yeah. Hmm. And if I'm if I'm beyond my full retirement age, which certainly at 69 I am, I I could give up an extra $300 a month in benefit if I drew today. But the other thing that I could do if I drew today is get is go back six months. Mm-hmm. So I could even get you know six times thirty two hundred. I I could get about twenty grand of benefit lump sum right now if I started drawing. Well, and let's just um, get a little bit into the weeds on that. It's it's not so if you're thinking that strategy for yourself, don't take what you were just told you'll draw today times six, it's basically retroactive. So you're applying mm-hmm. six months ago. So it'd probably be 3,100 right. or something Further like that. Further reduction. Yeah, 3,000. 3,000 even. Yeah. And so- 2,900. I mean, it, it, it could it, be 28. It <laughs> might be zero. <laughs> so, I, but I, I, I think I, so Kevin, what you just said sort of blew up my answer. And the answer- it's like the Jesus answer in Sunday school. It's like, well, it depends on your overall financial plan. Because if they needed a cash boost because there's there's a plank in their eye or there's some sort of financial issue that they've got to deal with because of the coronavirus or because of whatever else, it may make sense to go back and get that bonus, that six-month, um, as long as that long-term projection, the rest of their financial life showed that they were right on track even by drawing it early. But just based on the details we have here from Karen, I'm tempted to say I agree completely with Josh that that her life, their joint life expectancy, meaning how long will at least one of them live, um, is long enough that you'd, you'd, want, you'd want him to delay until 70. And hopefully, even with the challenges of the small business and the coronavirus, they've got a financial situation where they've got that option. A lot of people don't. A lot of people, their just hand is forced. But hopefully they've got the option to make it financially until 70 and he can draw his maximum benefit. You know, one of the comments I've made in in our retirement class um, in the past is uh, when you're making this decision about when to draw Social Security, especially in light of today's entire topic, if you've missed any of today's show, this has been all about the sustainability of Social Security. What do you do about the insolvency of this whole program? And we've warned that it's possible that if no other solutions come, then you may be facing a reduction of your benefits 
down, you know, maybe you only get 79% of what has been promised to you. And I've always said, well, if that was worst case scenario, that you're going to not get every dollar promised to you, I would want to get 79% of the biggest possible number as well. Mm-hmm. And especially if that's my surviving spouse who's nine years younger than me, I want them to uh, re- receive the best possible benefit as well. And so if there's a chance in uh, Karen and her husband's situation here that that they could wait one more year and totally maximize their benefit, that could be very meaningful for her longevity and retirement especially. And it's, it is difficult because when uh, couples come and they ask the question, what's the right thing to do? The only way to ascertain that answer is to n- at the second death. At the second death, we can look back and say, hey, uh, the, the smartest thing to do was to wait until 70. or Because if we knew they were going to die in a car crash at 72 and 62, Yeah. then you would say, well, draw today yeah. and get as much right. money into the family coffers as you possibly can. That's a really good point. But because we don't know what the future holds, we can only go off of actuarial ideas and you can kind of base it on health. But again, we don't know what, what medicine's going to come up yeah. with and technology is going to come up with in the next few years that is going to take that life expectancy and extend it even right. further. Right. Yeah. And that's been the argument that we often make with many clients who are trying to plan for a long retirement. Assume that retirement is going to be longer than you even realize it's going to be. And to, to your point, Kevin, it might get even longer yet as medicine and, and healthcare continues to advance. Yeah, and, I, and, and the other thing that I would say to Karen is, okay, look at all of the possible places that you could get money mm-hmm. because Social Security is one of them. Uh, Mike just talked about the uh, Roth IRA. Um, that's interesting. But if this is a year where the business revenue is down dramatically, yeah. this might be a year where you're moving IRA dollars into a Roth IRA. Yep. So I'm fixated on this idea as well, and maybe we'll transition after this. But the, I, if the whole show has been about Social Security and what could happen, most of that is outside of the circle of influence. You don't have control over that. But what you do have control over is when you draw it. And oftentimes when you draw it is a reflection on your other financial readiness and retirement readiness. So if you're you're sort of uh, done with this Social Security discussion because it seems a way off for for you and a long time away, um, your takeaway is get as prepared as possible because you want to have as many options as possible. So just like Kevin said, Social Security is one option, but you've got a whole bunch of other options. And then you can make the best choice of a number of options versus this is my only choice, right? So so that would be the takeaway. Great question, Karen. And uh, I, I once again, you got to make that decision in the context of your overall financial plan. What else is going on in your financial life? Patrick's 29 from Indy. Uh, must listen on, uh, on, on podcast there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your patience. He sent this question several weeks ago. Hey, do I pay taxes on the profits from selling my house? I've lived there for three years and purchased another house after the sale. Hey, kudos to you, Patrick, for having a gain on your house after three years. <laughs> exactly. We live here in northern Indiana, and boy, that doesn't happen. Well, unless you're 
pumping a lot of money and, and improvement into it, in which case your profit may not be as high as you think because the, the good news is profits are, are counted not just on what you purchase but what else you put into it as well. And uh, I actually got this same question, coincidentally, from a client in Indianapolis uh, earlier this week. He's someone, the last time he sold a house, the rules were very different. Mm. And and his variation of this question was, well, how quickly do I need to buy a new house in order to not pay taxes? Because that used to be the rule. As long as you rolled your profits into the next purchase, then no big deal. In today's world, as long as you've lived in that house as your primary residence for two out of the past five years, then you can have up to $250,000 worth of profit on that house. Or if you're married, it's Mm $500,000. And again, uh, in in Indiana, that uh, doesn't happen very often, that someone would be tapping out that kind of benefit. Especially in three years. But that's, that's the exemption amount, and so that's the amount of gain that's not taxable now. If you live in a in a very volatile housing market that has big swings, you might blow through that, but that's the exemption amounts, 250 or 500. Yeah, I mean, the, what you want is to blow through that amount. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't right. that be awesome? No one's ever lost money selling at a gain. Right. So, but 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 to Josh's point, a subtle a subtle comment here. Yeah, you need we get this question a lot. So you need to know those exemption amounts. You need to know the primary residence for 2 out of 5 years. So this if you're thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna buy my next house and rent this one for a couple of years, just see how that goes. You just got to consider this potential tax issue. But the other thing is, how do you calculate gain? Gain is not just from purchase price to sales price. It's purchase purchase price. Easy for me to say. Plus all of your improvements, all the money you've put into that house, and then it's compared to the sales price minus all the costs of selling. Yeah, good point. And, and usually. You get, uh, as you explain that to someone, they go from being pretty proud that they made money on their house to realizing, (laughs) I didn't make money on this house. Uh, Maybe I'm, this isn't as good a deal as I thought. So, and it is, it is interesting because I've seen uh, a number of situations where mom and dad gifted the house to the kids, might've retained a life estate or what have you. Um, but just to, it, I'm thinking of a situation where it was just a gift. The kids now inherited the parents' cost basis, right? And they were concerned that they were going to have a big chunk of taxes. But when you took what mom and dad paid for it in the '50s yep. and everything they put into it, there wasn't a ton of gain. Great, great question, Patrick. All right, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.